This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Smithsonian has been one of the harder hit organizations in the pandemic. Its museums, destinations for millions of people each year had to shut their doors. Now they're starting to open. For an update and a look behind the scenes, we welcome the Smithsonian Secretary, Lonnie Bunch. Mr. Bunch, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's my great pleasure. Thank you for having me. First of all, let's talk about not the museums, but the vast digital resources that the Smithsonian has been building in now for at least a decade. And I've been checking some of them. You've got some really great online stuff. What we've realized is that as a result of this pandemic, more Americans are comfortable getting their information digitally. So what it's allowed us to do is accelerate our digital work. So we've created portals that are allowing people to get into our educational materials so that they can have the materials about teaching science or art or history. And then obviously every museum really puts out great, great information. Some of it is on dinosaurs. Some of them are traveling new exhibitions. So that in essence, the goal here is to say that though the buildings are closed, the Smithsonian is not. And have you seen an uptick in downloads and visits and so forth in the digital sphere? Especially in our educational material. We've seen overwhelming something like, you know, um, 100 percent growth. And one of the things we did was we moved to open access this summer, early in the spring, really, and made sort of 3,000 images and material available online for no cost. And so that has also stimulated a lot of interest in people looking at the array of collections that we have. Yes, I was looking at one of a collection of paintings depicting beach scenes. And you could really get lost in that one and kind of fantasize what people, the different artists, had totally different views of what a beach scene should be or was. Well, I think that's one of the joys of the Smithsonian, right, that you get to see things from many different perspectives. And when you look at those beach scenes, you find yourself on the one hand saying, you know, I don't have to go to a beach, so let me not risk that. But on the other hand, what you realize is that so much of what the Smithsonian is is different people's views of something, their research and the like. So you get to see things through different lenses, and that's one of the exciting things at the Smithsonian. Now, with the museums closed, have you had back shop staff, or at least some of them, in place? Because I imagine the curating still goes on. Tell us about some of the functions that that go on that the public doesn't see. Well, first of all, what we did, my major consideration was safety. So that sort of 90% of the staff was able to telework. So that was a great transformation. Um, What it meant is that we realized that a lot of the research that needed to be done, a lot of the work that helps us to curate exhibitions, um, that could be done virtually. But obviously coming in to be able to look at the collections, to think about the design of exhibitions. So while some of that has gone on, we tried to slow as much of that down because I really wanted to make sure people were safe. Because I imagine it could have also been somewhat of an opportunity to do some touch-ups and maybe, you know, that plane should be pointed that way or that dinosaur should be biting <laughs> that side we, type of thing. We did, a little, we did a little of that. What we did is really look at this question of what does this moment mean for us in terms of transformation? As you said, first of all, it means that we do more digitally. Secondly, it means that we had to think a lot about what does it mean when the Smithsonian reopens in this pandemic? And so a lot of our attention was focused on those kinds of protocols and asking ourselves fundamental questions about how we should be different, not just because of the pandemic, but because we use this as an opportunity to think about how the Smithsonian should be a more effective, a more nimble 21st century organization. We're speaking with Lonnie Bunch. He is the Smithsonian secretary. 
And what about the scientists and the people that say we're working with, I've, I've seen them in the back of the uh, dinosaur exhibits when that, before that reopened. There are people that working on them as scientists that uh, out of sight of the public, could they still go to work or did, could they take samples home with them or how did that happen? Some would come into work to work on the collections. A lot would be able to do research from home. So that what we've done, for example, is a lot of our scientists, as you know, the Smithsonian has more people behind the scenes than people would ever expect. And the scientists in our Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory, um, the scientists down at our Tropical Research Institute in Panama, they continue to do the work they can. A lot of it, they're able to do it virtually. And so that's the exciting piece of this. And what about people who might be, say, restoring some artifact, a piece of machinery or an airplane to be put on exhibit? Could those things be brought to a state where they could stay stable until people can get back to them? On the whole, we did that. There were some things because of scheduling. For example, we continued to work on the reopening of the Air and Space Museum. So we have people working on the collections, restoring them. Um, and so that has been one of the things that we continue to do. So my notion was that if we needed to do work, then we brought people in. If there were things that we could pause, then we waited. All right. And uh, what about the financial impact? I mean, the National Park Service, just to draw a comparison, lives largely or to some extent off fees of people paying to go in. And so they clearly had a loss of financial income there. The Smithsonian generally doesn't charge for access to the museum. So has there been a financial impact at all? There's been a major financial impact. On the one hand, compared to most cultural institutions around the country who charge admission, we, we benefit, obviously, from having strong federal support. But really, we lost millions and millions of dollars um, that was revenue from shops, from the restaurants, all those things that people come in and buy, that $15 hamburger. Um, <laughs> and so that money was, is crucially important because it allows us to hire staff, it allows us to do research. Um, and so in many ways, our challenge is to rethink how do we create different revenue models um, once we reopen, because this pandemic isn't going to go away. So one of the things that it's allowed us to do is to really rethink what is our e-commerce? Um, how do we do much more of that? What's the way, are people going to really want to walk in shops and look at things? Or do we do like, you know, delivery services, um, go online and come to the museum and pick up your material? So we're looking at different ways we can serve the public. But yes, the financial burden has been really great on us. And I wanted to also ask you about the zoo, because that's probably maybe the second most unpopular place after air and space. I don't know. But clearly there's a need for people there to care for the animals. And were you able to sustain that operation? Absolutely. What we did is we kept people who had to be there to protect the collections, whether they were um, inanimate collections or living collections. And obviously you can't close down the zoo. You got to feed the panda. Um, and so we had people who continued to work there, um, work very safely, um, but to work, take care of the animals. And in some ways, one of the things that this moment has reminded me is how much I'm in awe of our frontline people, of the people who feed the animals, of the security who has to still maintain the security of our building, the maintenance people who really had to think about new protocols for cleaning in this moment. So those are, in my mind, the heroes of the Smithsonian. And were you able to personally make the rounds just to check in on things at all? Masked up, I, perhaps? 
I did in part, when this first happened, I thought I'm always the guy that I never ask anybody to be there if I'm not there. But then I realized that if I show up, there's a whole retinue of people that show up. Um, and so what I did is I asked all the directors to as much as they can stay home so their staff didn't feel the need to come in. So I've made the rounds when I could, but I basically said, let us make sure that by making the rounds, I'm not putting anybody else at risk. Got it. And so what is the reopening plan at this point? I know there's a couple of institutions that are open. Well, here's what we did. First of all, when we closed, I put together two groups, one to look around the institution to help me think about what does it mean to reopen, to think about what are the triggers that would allow us to reopen, what's the scientific data that would allow us to reopen, and then what does it really take to reopen? Um, It meant that we had to think about um, how do we sort of do new cleaning protocols to make sure that people are comfortable there? How do we social distance in a museum? So it led me to thinking about, all right, when I built the African-American Museum, there was such popularity that we had to get tickets. So I thought, well, let's get tickets for the whole Smithsonian as a way to control the crowd. Because the one thing you don't want are hundreds of people standing in line, you know, cheek to jowl, trying to get in. So my goal was to say, let us recognize that when we reopen, that we're going to reopen with this time pass so we can control the crowds. And then what we did is we thought a lot about what does the new normal mean? What does it mean to really open? Think about it. One of the great strengths of museums, zoos, is that people come together who don't know each other, who revel in an artifact or an exhibition or a public program. Well, people want to do that um, in an era of pandemic. So the key was to think about how do we create community even in a pandemic? So we really thought about how do you social distance? Um, What are the kinds of markers we need to put in place? How do we make sure people have the sort of hand sanitizers? But also we decided that people needed to wear masks, that if you came to the Smithsonian, you needed to wear masks. And so what we did was we began our reopening phase with the zoo and with the Udvar Hazi Center, which is the Air and Space Branch out in Dulles. And we did this for several reasons. First of all, they both have parking. And I worry a lot about, are people going to get on public transportation? Two, obviously the zoo is outdoors. Um, it allows us to be more flexible, but also the Hazi Center is very large and open. And so what it allowed us to do was to basically test what we had to do. So if you step out there, one, you'll see here are markers that show that you're six feet apart. Here are, we've made one-way directions, you know, so we've changed the way people interact. We've really reduced a lot of any kind of touchable thing. So a lot of interactives that were there, we've, re- we've said those are not open. Even in the zoo, what we've done is looked at what spaces interior can we open, what spaces were too tight. So there were some, some animal houses that we just couldn't open. So it really is allowing us to test what we have to do to move forward. And my hope is that we will then begin a phase reopening that would allow us to do a few more museums on the mall, test that, and then we continue to hopefully hopefully open the whole Smithsonian, obviously contingent on on the virus. And this is probably a ridiculous question, but sometimes, the times I've been to the zoo, the animals have a little interaction with the people viewing them, some of the higher level animals, big vertebra. And 
I'm wondering, masked people, <laughs> will that be puzzling to the animals? Well, I think that what's been clear, because I've been out in the zoo several times since we've reopened, and what's clear is the animals like the human interaction, mask or no mask. Um, and uh, so that what you see is at the zoo, I was so taken by, first of all, the excitement of the public to come back, right? I mean, I was there opening day to greet people and people just felt the need to be able to come someplace. They appreciate our sense of safeness, safetyness. And then I think the animals, you know, live their lives, but they're used to having people look at them, take photographs. And so I think everybody was happy to be together again. Now, you as the secretary are somewhat historic. You're the first guy that has built a museum that has become the secretary. You're the first African-American secretary in the 175-year history of the Smithsonian. It must have been tough that barely a year in, this happened, and you had to close down the whole thing. Well, I think no one wants to lead during a pandemic. Um, but on the other hand, as somebody who has been in and out of the Smithsonian most of my career, I felt this was really the opportunity for me to bring the sort of caring sense about staff, to think creatively. And what's been wonderful is that the Smithsonian has come together in powerful ways. People from different disciplines, art historians and scientists, or educators are working to help think about, okay, what's the new Smithsonian? How do we protect each other? And so in many ways, this has been a horrible crisis. In other ways, it's been an opportunity to really move the Smithsonian forward in its goal to be a more nimble 21st century institution. So would I have liked to have an easier time? Absolutely. But as we used to say in my neighborhood, you deal with the cards that are dealt you. The Smithsonian shares with places like the Kennedy Center and the Wolf Trap location out in Virginia, their venues and cultural institutions. And so have you been in touch with the operators of some of those other venues where there is a cultural content and a visitor content and a venue basis that to well, share practices? Absolutely. What I've done is, first of all, I've been in touch with cultural institutions around the world to ask how the Italian museums are now adjusting. What are they doing in Germany? Trying to learn from everybody. Um, I work closely with, I have regular conversations with the head of the Kennedy Center, the head of the National Gallery, Library of Congress, National Archives. So to really make sure that we're on similar pages, that we're thinking about things in, in the same way, um, because I think that no one has a monopoly on wisdom. And so the key is to sort of learn from what they're doing overseas, learn from what they're doing in other museums, and learn from what they're doing in the federal government. And so this has been a learning moment for all of us. Lonnie Bunch is secretary of the Smithsonian. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.